This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, hi, and welcome. I am your host, Emma Gunnar Wardner, and in my nearly 20 year career as a beauty and health writer, I have interviewed a lot of people supermodels, entrepreneurs, authors, celebrities, and doctors. And many of these conversations had a real impact on me, and I'd come away feeling inspired, excited, informed, and really empowered. And at the back of my mind, I'd always think, I wish I could just publish the tape so people could really feel that conversation. Well, on this podcast, you get to feel the conversation. I talk with experts, guests, and a few friends who I hope will inspire, inform, and empower you, and maybe also challenge you. Whether you're looking for self-help, self-improvement, beauty advice, health insights, business know-how, or just some good old-fashioned life advice and a bit of a laugh. It's all here. Welcome to the show. My guest in this episode of the podcast is Chris Voss, and I am so excited that he's on the show. He is the founder of the Black Swan Group and one of the top negotiators in the world. He has years of experience in international crisis and high stakes negotiation and was formerly the lead international kidnapping negotiator for the Federal Bureau of Investigation, hence his Instagram handle at the FBI negotiator. He was the lead crisis negotiator for the New York City Division of the FBI and was a member of the New York City Joint Terrorist Task Force. All this is to say... Chris has a unique insight on the dynamics of negotiation, which he has used at the highest level. And with the Black Swan Group, he's taken those skills from hostage and kidnap negotiation into business negotiation. Now, you may be thinking, or at least I hope you're thinking, but Emma, I haven't had to be in a high stakes kidnap negotiation lately. How does this apply to me? Well, if you have a boss who says it's their way or the highway, a tricky colleague who you seem to be butting heads with constantly, or if there's anyone in your life, whether it's in the workplace or whether it's in your social life or whether it's in your relationship, who you always feel railroads you or you find that your conversations just don't come to a meaningful conclusion, then Chris's insights might be just what you need to hear to help you get the best out of each of those dynamics. If you are a long-time listener, you'll know that I read Chris's book, Never Split the Difference, which I've recommended a ton on this podcast, especially in the Bullet Points episode, and also watched his masterclass and was absolutely blown away. 
Honestly, I've implemented several of Chris's techniques in everything from face-to-face interactions to email conversations. And even though I've got to be honest, I went into it thinking, there's no way this will work. I have been astounded. They have worked every single time. And if you think that negotiating means getting one over on someone, winning, or whoever can verbally checkmate the other person first, then you're probably working from the old school template of negotiation. It makes me think of Wall Street, the very kind of uh, bro technique of let's see who can get one over on the other. But Chris's technique is based in emotional intelligence, which is why, as he explains in this episode, it can often be women who pick up these skills with greater ease. Not that they're not universal, they are, but just emotional intelligence leads the way on these particular techniques. But we'll explore those particular elements of the training in the episode. But during our conversation, Chris and I discuss how to even know whether you're in a negotiation or not. Why negotiating isn't about getting to a yes, which is a very old school way of looking at it, and why actually there's a lot more power in a no. Why much of the advice about how to negotiate is pretty terrible. So if you do a random Google search how to negotiate, you're probably going to come up with some advice that's probably going to work against you. Tactical empathy and why it's a crucial pillar of his technique. Why it doesn't matter whether you're speaking to a terrorist or a salesman. If you can understand what drives them, you can influence their decision making the role of silence in powerful conversations, why you can learn so much from someone without asking one single question, why learning to label the emotions you hear in a conversation is so helpful and can drive it to a more meaningful conclusion, and the way you can use your voice, both tone and tempo, to have a better conversation. Plus, we also discuss the 73855 rule, and honestly, much, much more. I have been wanting to speak to Chris for a while. Like I said, I read his book, I watched his masterclass, and I just thought, this is somebody who I want to have a conversation with and tap into for you, my most excellent listeners. I think there's so much to be taken away, and he has incredible resources available via the Black Swan Group, his Instagram. So I'll put all of those links in the show notes and the link to the book, but please do join me. I'm so pleased. Please do join me in welcoming Chris Voss onto The Emma Gunn Show. Hey, Chris Voss. Welcome to the Emma Gunn Show. How are you? I am ecstatic to be on your show. Well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Thank you. You are an expert in negotiation. You're the founder of the Black Swan Group. You're one of the top negotiators in the world. So for the next 60 minutes, I am going to let you do all the talking and share your insights and expertise with my listeners, because I genuinely think that they can learn so much and benefit from being able to negotiate like a pro. Does that sound good? Amen. Let's do it. Okay. Because if you crack this, you can, you can live a life with a lot less friction. Is that right? Yeah. yeah I mean, that's one of the, one of the biggest things to get, <clears throat> excuse me, getting better at negotiation is really uh, how much you can accelerate by just eliminating friction, negativity, how to deactivate it, how to listen to your gut instincts and then actually how to respond to those instincts. So yeah, I I agree completely. Okay. Excellent. Because I'm confident listeners um, who regularly tune in might feel that there are occasions in their life or instances or situations that they're in where they might feel hard done by and they feel powerless. And I know that that's, that's the thing that you don't like, you don't like, you kind of fight for the little guy, don't you? Uh, I do, yes. You're not a big fan of bullies. <laughs> That's very true. 
And I've been in situations where there's been a hierarchy at play. And so you can go in there with your best tone and try and be as amenable as possible. And you're just going to get nothing. You're just going to hit a brick wall. And I think you have the tools and the tactics that help you kind of find your way around it or know when it's time to leave the room. Yeah, I think so. I think I think that's very true. And also, you know, the traditional thoughts about negotiation basically are either wrong or outmoded. Like most people think of negotiation as an attack of combative thing. And the great negotiators are not attacking, attacking, nor are they combative. You know, great negotiation is about great collaboration. And when you shift out of an adversarial, for lack of a better term, zero-sum game into a collaborative, positive-sum game, um, that's when you really begin to accelerate and more deals come your way. So, you know, you told me the, the majority of your audience are women. Like the emotional intelligence-based negotiation that the black, that is the Black Swan method that the Black Swan group teaches, women pick up faster than men because they were schooled earlier in life, typically, to be more emotionally aware, to be, to be more soft skills aware. And that gives them a big disadvantage, a big advantage, not disadvantage, advantage. Now, at the top end, I don't think there's really any difference to performance based on gender between men or women in emotional intelligence. I just believe very strongly that women have a head start. Oh, okay. Well, let's take our head start then. So I guess the first thing is, how do you know that you're in a negotiation? How do you know that you're even in that dynamic where you need to even apply these rules? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And it also almost speaks to what's the difference between sales and negotiation. But if the words I want or I need are in your head or coming across your lips, then you're in a negotiation. And that really encompasses nearly, nearly every conversation. Now, putting the words I want or I need into someone's head, that's sales you know uncovering uncovering a need making people aware of a pain point that they weren't aware of but the minute that that it's there and you're discussing how to solve the want or need which might be getting a cup of coffee um you know one of my favorite stories i ran across a gentleman a number of years ago that had started this global phenomenon called secrets uh because you know i was telling him the most dangerous negotiation is the one you don't know you're in so he said, and his secrets phenomenon was, send me your secrets anonymously. I'll share them with the world. Whatever you're struggling with, someone else is too. It will help them to know they're not in it alone. And he said he gets a, a brand new Starbucks coffee cup, still in a wrapper as proof that the person worked at Starbucks. And the note said, I give decaf to people who are mean to me. <laughs> so the implementation was a negotiation and, and the effect was, you know, somebody came in, they were gruff, you know, they were rude, they treated uh, the coffee barista as if they were no one. And even though there was, a, people would say, well, it was agreed upon price and service and there was no negotiation there. The negotiation is about collaboration and implementation. And then since I told that story a lot, I've run into no shortage of waiters and waitresses 
who have said that they worked in restaurants and when people who've been jerks as customers for the evening meal asked for decaffeinated coffee at the end of the evening, they said, we give them coffee with caffeine in it. So this stuff is everywhere, which is really based on how you treat people. Mm -hmm. And I guess there, I'm what I think there is that that person's leverage, leveraging the, the power that they have in that dynamic. They're not right, going to be yeah. a jerk back, but they're going to be like, you're not going to get exactly what you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, very true. I mean, one of the phrases we also live by is never be mean to somebody who could hurt you by doing nothing. So if you're talking to them about any objective, about any want or need or desire, even if you're looking for directions, like maybe maybe you're just asking them to give directions. I, I was in Italy a number of years ago. I was really frustrated. And I think my frustration came off as anger. And I remember being in this restaurant, asking people for directions, like pointing to the map. And my frustration had come out so much at people who it was not their fault. You know, they just shrugged their shoulders. And I'm like, I'm pointing at a map. There's no way you don't understand a map. But I was I was perceived as mean to somebody who could hurt me by doing nothing. And they just, they just went, ah, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't get directions. Um, and it just makes me think that if Chris Voss can do that and walk into and kind of get it wrong, as it were, and not use the skills, I mean, it's, it's just yeah. so easy to not get it, to not realize you're not doing it and to realize you're working against yourself. Well, you start running down the rabbit hole of the negative mindset. I mean, one of the problems with a negative mindset, first of all, uh, you're 31% smarter in a positive frame of mind. It's a stat that I quote all the time from Sean Acker, a Harvard psychologist, in his TED talk. So if you're smarter in a positive frame of mind, you're dumber in a negative frame of mind. I mean, actually dumber. And the pro problem with a negative frame of mind is, you know, there's a self-righteousness that kicks into gear. So not only are you dumber, but you're even more self-righteous about it, which just... And as a human being, we're wired to be negative. You know, our survival mechanism, you know, the bottom tier of Maslow's hierarchy, if you will, survival is negative because the caveman that survived were the pessimistic negative caveman. The, the optimistic caveman got eaten by when he went into the cave he shouldn't have gone into. Yeah. So the struggle against being negative, our default mode is to be negative and it requires attention regular attention, you know, mental hygiene, if you will, to stay out of it. When I saw, because I, I uh, saw you say that on your social media a little while ago about the you're 31% more smarter if you're in a positive mindset. And it made right. me think about um, the mindset that people are put into just by the way that we live our lives. And let's just say it, social media is known to yeah. capture people by by basically stimulating the negative emotions. If you're on a social right. media app and it makes you feel bad, anxious, whatever, you'll stay on it longer. And so the world, yeah. has the world become a tougher place to negotiate? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I think that, um, excuse me, I keep clearing my throat, sorry. You know, I think it's a tougher place for people with bad skills. I mean, I think then because of the negativity, if you can shift over into emotional intelligence approach, uh, 
people are so starved for it that there's a tremendous advantage there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm reading a, a B2B buyer survey, uh, just several of them today. And they're talking about how more and more people are doing all their buying research online, not engaging with a human being in order to make a purchase. Um, at maximum, maybe 70, 17% of their journey. And you know they're trying to say, the millennials these days or society these days is disconnected because we're online, because we're in social media, because we're not talking to each other, even because we're texting. True. And there's a tremendous opportunity there for anyone with real emotional intelligence skills because human beings are still wired the same way. They're starved for it. Mm-hmm. So if you take the time, you'll be different than anyone else will. And it will be your competitive advantage. And when you go through what you offer at Black Swan Group, and I've uh, watched your masterclass several times. Thank you. <laughs> and you have a new one coming, which we will talk about uh, before you leave today. Yeah, um, yeah. But that, what I really got from the, the masterclass actually, was it's like learning a new language within a language that you're already fluent in, which kind of makes it, difficult because you have all of these bad habits already ingrained yeah very very true and it it sounds it's close like you know maybe it's the difference between british slang and american slang like theoretically we're speaking the same language but we've fallen into a vernacular of our own that it can be very hard to understand and might be like learning a new language but first of all, the, the big advantage that is it's very good for your brain. I mean, I study a lot of neuroscience these days and it, it increases your longevity. It staves off Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, all these things that are good for the brain, waking up the circuits that didn't go away, they just went dormant. Mm. And so then it, it, it becomes very challenging, but if it feels awkward, the good news is like it's it's like getting sore muscles when you go to a gym. I mean, you that that pain is an awkwardness is an indicator that you're getting healthier. Mm. And also, I've heard you say that the awkwardness when you're practicing these techniques, because they're not. Trust me, I've I've had a bit of a practice, and some have gone well, and some have not. And it does feel awkward as you as you learn. But it, but you've said the awkwardness is just telling you that you're learning. Right, right. And then suddenly what will happen is, bang, you'll do it automatically. Like I was on a phone, uh, we were Zoom call with my, my, my teaching team just earlier. And a, a woman that we brought on, very experienced uh, hostage negotiator, you know, had an entire law enforcement career, really smart. But after a law enforcement career, you know, she her neural circuits are kind of baked. And we've been teaching her no oriented questions, you know, how to, how to ask, do you disagree instead of, do you agree? All of that stuff. And it's been hard for her to catch on. She's been with us for a couple months. And she said that somebody caught, caught her off guard with a phone call uh, just yesterday and she needed to buy time. And she, without thinking, she said, would it be a ridiculous idea for me to get back to you in an hour? And then afterwards, she's like, yay, I did that automatically. <laughs> Took me three months to get there, but now it's I'm doing it. So 
it's so much fun when you've rewired the circuit and the stuff is coming out automatically. It's just a lot of fun. And someone might be listening to this thinking, I don't get it. What do you mean? Uh, would it be ridiculous if I call you back in an hour? But it's, it's a shift that makes a big difference. Huge, huge shift. Because if you, if you say, would it be okay if I call you back in an hour? You know, the other side is like, ah, oh, you know, is it really going to be an hour? Where am I going to be in an hour? Like trying to get somebody to say yes triggers so much anxiety, if you will, because saying there's always a trap, there's always a hook in yes. And the ridiculous aspect of that is, and we have found through 15 years of application with thousands and tens of thousands of interactions, if you just shift from yes to no, would it be ridiculous if I call you back and out? People immediately go, no, no, it's not a problem. And, and, they, and they agree immediately instead of hesitating. So this is what it is, listeners. It sounds like quite subtle shifts, but it can take a while to get the pathways in. So do you mind talking about tactical empathy? Because you kind of uh, alluded to it a second ago, but I know that's a really fundamental pillar of the sort of process of beginning to get yourself into this negotiating mindset. Yeah, um, I'd love to. <laughs> and let's, let's break it down into two words. First of all, empathy. Now, the, the negotiator's empathy, whether you're a Harvard Law School negotiator or a hostage negotiator, the real definition of empathy did not include agreement. It did not equate it to sympathy or compassion, which is what it's become synonymous with today. Like, if I empathize with you, that means I'm on your side, I agree with you, I'm supportive. Um, the application of it from the negotiator's perspective is just that you understand, not that you agree, and you demonstrate your understanding. That you understand is insufficient. It's a first step. You have to demonstrate what you understand. And, you know, way back when, when I first learned this concept on a suicide hotline, they drew it out for us specifically because they said, if somebody's in quicksand, it does them no good for you to get in the quicksand with them, for you to share their sadness doesn't do them any good. It doesn't get them out of that quicksand. So empathy is not agreement. Empathy is not sympathy. It's not compassion. It's a compassionate thing to do for me to demonstrate that I understand your, to your perspective, for me to articulate, look, you're uncomfortable with me because of the following reasons, X, Y, Z, whatever they may be. Or what I used to use when I was an FBI agent, you know, we got Muslim witnesses to testify in open civilian court against other Muslims. So how did I earn their trust right away? I knew how they felt about the United States. I knew they felt that the United States has always again been anti-Islamic. I didn't know. I never agreed that it was true. I know that's how they feel. I would sit down with them and I'd say, you believe that there's been a succession of American governments for the last 200 years that have been anti-Islamic. And instantly, they would be startled in a good way, and I would develop trust. And it'd be like, yeah. No, I never said that I agreed or that it was true. And it was actually contrary to my position, because here I was a representative of a government that was anti-Islamic. But I knew as soon as I said their perspective on me, they trusted me. So that's empathy. Now, tactical. What's the tactical aspect? 
we know from neuroscience the very stuff that we were talking about earlier human beings are largely negative so if i start talking with you and i use tools that i know from neuroscience deactivate negative thinking then i will eliminate the friction we were talking earlier about eliminating friction the fastest way to eliminate a negative is simply call it out and not deny it you know the phrase the elephant in the room you don't get rid of the elephant in the room by saying there's no elephant you get rid of the elephant in the room by saying there's an elephant and then you shut up and that's the fastest way to diminish the impact of negativity there's neuroscience experiment after experiment that shows that works it has an impact in diminishing the negative every single time now the degree of impact changes but the science hard science which is neuroscience says it diminishes it every time and that's the tactical aspect if i know that your thinking is going to be most clouded by negativity and i can call that negativity out that eliminates a friction and so that's the tactical aspect of tactical empathy and it's as i said it's the pillar upon which one of the pillars upon which the negotiation technique is is built and it can let me just uh, what can it look like um and the thing i was thinking about a moment ago was a little while ago i had evie pomporis on the podcast who was with nypd a secret service agent and she was talking about being in interrogation rooms with people who had committed like horrible crimes and about building that rapport with them and saying are you thirsty you want me to get you some water and me just thinking how would i, I don't care if he's thirsty throw the book at him but actually right. she sees the long game and i feel like tactical empathy is the long game aspect of negotiation which is put whatever each person thinks to one side to a to a certain extent and right. find the common ground and be able to articulate the other person's point of view perhaps yeah yeah um and uh it, the long game then accelerates as soon as you shift over into that kind of thinking because the long game is just getting out of my goal in the moment you know look to get close to your goal in a moment and suddenly enough several moments pass and you're at your goal so it's it's very counterintuitive and um i and you know you said something about common ground i want to hit on common ground real quickly tactical empathy is a replacement for common ground it's it's the quantum leap past common ground now what are we looking for from common ground we're looking for people with a shared experience and if you're from the same place i'm from and the two strongest aspects of common ground that we've seen is geography and ethnicity and geography is more important because if you and I are from the same small town in Iowa, which is where I grew up, then what your ethnicity is doesn't matter because you experienced the same environment growing up as I did. And that's very strong. Ethnicity is second to geographical common ground. But what are we hoping for from that? That the other person understands. If you're from my small town in england or you know from where i come from 
then you will understand my perspective. Now, the problem with that is that is most likely deeply flawed. Like my sisters and I grew up in the same small town, the same household, the same parentage, same religion, same diet. And frequently that's not enough. But the minute I express understanding now, if I say, look, this is how you feel about it. That's what you're hoping to get out of me based on our common ground, which is a guess. So why don't I just go ahead and demonstrate understanding and invite your interaction and then everything accelerates because you're hoping I understand based on common ground. But as soon as I demonstrate it, I don't have to be from your town. I don't have to be your religion. I don't have to be your gender. I just have to demonstrate that I've understood. Another example, women on a regular basis go through more harassment than any man has any idea. I mean, the, the amount of nonsense that women put up with on a daily basis is 10 to 100 times worse than any man even realizes. Now, right now, you're saying that's right. I didn't got I don't have to be a woman to 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 articulate that understanding. Mm. Something had to enlighten me to it, and then as soon as I did, I saw it. I'm like, holy cow! As a man, I have no idea what women go through daily, but we share no common ground based on gender. I can develop that understanding if I'm simply open to seeing it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I might say, you know, you probably get harassed two or three times a day. And then you'll say two or three times, try 200 times. And then if I'm open to being corrected in that demonstrating of understanding, instead of being embarrassed, that accelerates it even more. Mm. And that's those those are some of the aspects of where we're coming from. Look, just let me just let me take a uh, an educated, emotionally educated guess at what your perspective is and be willing to be corrected. It's not a sin to get it wrong. It's a sin to not make the other person feel understood. It's a sin to be afraid to be corrected. I'll let that one sit there for a second. It's a sin to be afraid to be corrected because that's a, a good one. You remind, I'm going to take the bat on there that you just handed me because one of the questions I wanted to ask you without changing the tone of the episode completely was about women and negotiation. And I had an excellent author on the podcast recently called David Bodanis who wrote a brilliant book about the art of fairness. And when we were discussing fairness, I said, but what about like nature? Like nature is not fair. You're bigger, you're stronger, you got more teeth, like you have an advantage. Right. And to some extent, I think that can be true for women in the workplace, for example, particularly if there happens to be a particularly old guard in place where they may find that they're using tons of techniques and maybe a male counterpart is using similar ones and seems to be frictionless and they are still just not getting off the ground. 
Is that something that you have observed? Is that the kind of feedback you've ever had at your Black Swan events where sometimes women feel like they have it a little bit harder when it comes to actually implementing these negotiation tactics? Does it level well, up nature, the hierarchy of like the apex predator, et cetera? Yeah, if you if you negotiate under the old stupid rules, you know, which is kind of like man-based negotiation rules, which really lack emotional intelligence. If you're playing by those rules, which I don't teach and I don't advocate at all, then women have a disadvantage now. And they, they didn't know not to do that because by and large, I mean, more women are getting ahead now more every day than 20 years ago. But the women that, that, you know, were plowing the ground 20 years ago, they had nothing but bad examples around them. And they, you know, you're getting mentored, you're getting mentored by a man. And a man saying negotiate by me and that like me or, and that that's that's just bad it's dumb you know and so if if you play by those rules then there are gender disadvantages i don't teach those rules i can't change and it's not my problem mm -hmm. we have very specific training that uh in a black swan group we got something called the women's power hour the women's power hour sorry which is taught by women now, they're not going to tell you anything any differently than I am. But it often helps to hear it from a female versus a man. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm willing to, to go along with that. I, we know point of fact because we try to stay away from, we think women have more gender advantages in negotiation than men do in an emotionally intelligence-based negotiation, which is more powerful. And I tr really distinctly avoid saying, you know, women, a woman can do this because she's a woman. Like we've seen women pull off deals that men could never pull off. And be, with a very soft yet lighthearted approach. And so we're like, all right, so there's something here. Like our director of business development, Davy Johnson, she just does astonishing things. And we're like, we can't say she's doing this because she's a woman. Now she may have figured it out quicker because she's very open to learning. She she loves mistakes because she sees mistakes as learning accelerators. Mm -hmm. And she picks up stuff really fast. But you know, we I, I've seen her do stuff like we got to figure out how to teach this to men. And women can get away with being lighthearted and men are made fun of for being lighthearted. But being lighthearted is terrific advantage. So, so then I started thinking as a guy we deal with Nick Nanton. Like when I first met Nick, I thought he was this lighthearted goofball. And then I started seeing the phenomenal things he was pulling off. Like he is, he, you would never describe Nick as an alpha male or an alpha leader based on his demeanor. And when you look at his resume and what he's accomplished, you're like, this dude is in the top 10% of the top 1% with what he's done. So as soon as you get out of this whole alpha thing and then begin to look at your advantages, then you really do phenomenal stuff. And women can do that quicker than men because men are pressured to be alpha males. And women are not. 
and the business world is supposed to be successful by being the biggest alpha in the room. And you start looking at the emotional intelligence, soft skills, strong soft skills, people, they got way more wealth, they got way more accomplishments, they just don't get as much attention for it. Well, I put it to you that uh, many people have, and me included, have sent an email implementing one of your tactics, received a reply and had to say out loud, oh my God, Chris Voss is a wizard, because that is what <laughs> happened to me. And the reason I'm thinking about that is that for the last 20 years, I've worked predominantly in media, very female-based media. And so there have been, I've heard women described as ball breakers and you have to be a certain way. And so I have always kept my email communications, what I would say, clear. That's what I would have described them previously as clear, just to the point and clear. There was never any real kind of, you know, buffer on either side. I read Never Split the Difference. I watched your masterclass. And then somebody was trying to force me into something and I reply an email. And not to give too much away, listeners, you'll have to watch the full masterclass. But I said, you're going to think I'm being really difficult. But, and guess what happened? They replied to me and like, sure, that's fine. And I had to, I had to go for a walk. I had to get up away from the computer. I couldn't believe that that had happened because it had never happened to me before. Nice. All right. Good for you for implementing though, because we can show you the method, but you got to jump off the cliff. So good for you for being courageous enough to just go ahead and jump off the cliff. Thank you. I do have a fear that someday I'll be trying to get a late checkout. At a imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A hotel and I'll, I'll go up to them and say, I'm getting ready to make your day really difficult. And they'll say, oh, not another Chris Voss. <laughs> well that's just that's that's so much of our routine for the sweet upgrades that uh <laughs> you know i worry about like if my son has come in and checked in two hours earlier than me you know he's beat me to the punch on <laughs> on a method again listeners you'll have to i'll put the link to the masterclass in the show notes because you'll really see how that works so there are some other tactics that i want to run through because i know that the uh there are so many magic 
elements to this. And one of them is mirroring. And I guess when I first saw mirroring, I thought, oh, this is obvious. They cross their arms, you cross their arms, they scratch their ear, you scratch their ear. But that's not what it is, is it? That's the kind of old school, get that out right. of your head tactic. Yeah, yeah. The, the black swan mirror is, is not the body language stuff, or the, but it's repeating the last one to three-ish words of what somebody's just said. Just repeating those words. And then we focus on the last one to three words. Could be as, could be one, could be as many as five. Shouldn't be more than five. That's why we say one to three-ish. You know, you can always pull out the last one to three words that somebody just said, especially when what they've just said is so astonish you that it makes no sense. You know, you can always reach back into your short-term memory. What was the last thing that this, you know, ridiculous statement that was made? Um, but then when you get, you, you know, you've got your synapses built, you got the habit built, you can mirror all over the place. And it is... What I'm seeing consistently, what we're seeing consistently is if you're both high IQ and high EQ, you love mirroring because it's so simple in execution and so productive in output from the person you're talking to. And if if you, high high IQ is not enough. You know, in the business world, there's like, IQ will get you hired. Lack of EQ will get you fired. Mm -hmm. You know, EQ is a real differentiator. But I, whenever I run across somebody who loves mirrors, and that's the only thing they want to do, typically it's someone who measures very high with an IQ, far higher than mine. And they just, when they see a great EQ skill, they latch onto it because they love it. Mm -hmm. And the mirrors is really one of those skills. I get one of, one of our clients, when he used to take his whole team and to negotiate, he'd say, now watch, all I'm going to do is mirror. I'm not going to do anything else. Because he loved it so much, he wanted to show off in front of his team. And, and they, they'd come out an hour later and they'd be like, wow, you, you weren't kidding. That's all you did the whole time. We got everything we wanted. <laughs> well, the magic with mirroring, I think, is that um, it teases, it can tease out a heck of a lot more information yeah. than the person may have originally wanted to share or had intended yep. to. But equally, it doesn't, because you're using those last few words, you actually don't have to use any questions to get more information. It can just be the inflection in your voice. And yes. yet it just opens up. Yeah, inflection is a superpower. I mean, it is so underappreciated as as to what you could do with inflection and when you you can mirror and make it sound like a question the other thing that's beautiful about mirrors it's so much better than what did you mean by that you know because typically even me if somebody says what do you mean by that i just repeat the same words only louder as but when you mirror you tell somebody on a, on a really subconscious level Look, I heard your words. I know the meaning of your words, but I need you to give me the meaning in other words, synonyms, expand, explain, and something magical about repeating their words, one to three words. They get the message that what they said wasn't enough and you're asking for help. They don't feel corrected. They just, this ask for help in it 
especially with the upward inflection. Like, it's like, please, I want to know more. I'm, I'm hanging on every word. I'm so hanging on your words, I could repeat them, but I want more. And it's just, people find it so encouraging. Well, I just had um, Dr. Nicola Perra, the holistic psychologist on the podcast, and we were talking about the fundamental things that we need to feel good. And one of them is to feel heard. And what really struck me about that technique is that even if you're not necessarily, even if you don't understand, you are letting that other person know, or even if you do understand and you just want them to feel, you are letting them know that you hear them and that they're, they're being clear in their communication. And that's something that makes us all feel great. Yeah. And, and, and just to, to add to that, just a little bit, um, the neuroscience aspect, when people feel heard, they get a hit of oxytocin which is the bonding drug. And that's why feeling heard is so satisfying. And you don't really realize it, but you're developing a bond with the person that made you feel heard. And that's why it's so powerful. And, and you're referring to a psychologist who's, who just knows from her experience, and I'm, I'm sure that her depth of experience in psychology is really strong, and she knows that people have this innate need, desire to feel hurt. And it's, don't underestimate the power of that. Not in the slightest. And that's, that's something that mirroring does really well. And then obviously we have labeling, which is, I've heard you, did I get it right? Do I see you? Is that kind of, is that a good way of linking the two? Well, it's really close, but again, it's, it's demonstrating the understanding without asking the yes question, did I get it right? And I might say, you know, it seems like you thought about this for a long time, or it seems like this is important to you. And these labels, which is typically, it looks like, it sounds like, it seems like, it feels like, um, it hits the brain in a completely different way. And it triggers much more of a stream of consciousness. And so like on, on the people that we teach the Black Swan Method to, when their skills get to a really high level, all they do is label and mirror. They don't, they don't ask questions. They don't do anything else. They get, they get so good at those two skills. And the labeling is just, even if you said something I think is completely stupid, and I wanna say why, do you think that you're going to get guarded and you're going to feel attacked and you're not going to want to talk. But if I simply label it with a, a, a bit of empathy, empathy is your perspective. You think you have good reason for saying that. And if I say, it seems like you got a good reason for saying that, then you will elaborate in the ways that I needed you to elaborate with before, but because you got the feeling I thought you were wrong. You're not going to. But if I recognize your perspective, you got a good reason for saying that. And I just say, seems like you got a good reason for saying that. You were going to open up to me in ways that you would never have otherwise. Even when you deliver, it seems like it feels like you have a very calm body language. You have a, and it's, you slow it down. Maybe you're using not quite the late night DJ voice, but it, it feels as though, and we'll come on to it feels in a second, actually, you're slowing down in order to help the other person maybe respond. Is that, is that part of the technique? It's, it's both of them. It's, 
helping them respond, giving them space to think. The slower I go, then, then I can try to get each word to have its impact. Mm-hmm. Like in, in a given sentence, I may wanna have two things have this great impact. And if I say, seems like you got a good reason for saying that. There were two impacts there, which means slowing down and tone of voice. Like I want your attention because you want to give it to me. And then I want your thoughts. So that's why I'm going to be concise and I'll, I'll do a label and then I'll, I'll go silent. And it's, yeah, there's pacing and it, it, it just comes with practice. You know, I, I listen to myself. I listen to others. Like the masterclass that you talked about, you know, the next, the next version, we were reviewing some of the, the videos for that just the other day. And my son's pacing is phenomenal. And so they're, they're role-playing, uh, he and we, we've got my whole team. Well, most of my team is going to be part of this next class. So you're going to see me and the other black swans. And so one of the role plays, they're role playing a very adversarial conversation. My son, Brandon and, and Sandy, who does the women's power hour. And he just slowed down and hit the labels. And I was like, I hate it when people are better than me. <laughs> I will be really honest. I was re-watching the, um, the, the practice sessions that you did in the masterclass not long before we got on this call. And I couldn't watch, I couldn't watch the 60 seconds or she dies. Cause I miss oh, yeah, yeah. again, cause that's so tense. That is very tense. Again, listeners, I'm just teasing you. You have to check out this masterclass, but um, I wanted to talk about pacing actually, because I know I'm so guilty of it. And actually one of the things about having this podcast is it's allowed me to hear my voice, hear how I interact. And one of the things I do is I worry that I'm boring the person who I'm speaking to or that I I need to say it quickly so that they don't walk off, whatever. I mean, I've had psychologists on the show. I'll unpick that with them. We can just talk about the pacing. But I realized how easy it is to get into that rushing way of speaking and how actually sometimes the other person's silence. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. Someone can make someone rush and feel uncomfortable just by kind of not doing anything, kind of freezing them out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Silence is a powerful tool that, like any others, is really driven by context. You can uh, you can use it for or against. And it just takes practice. We use it frequently. Um, but our approach is collaboration. You know, in any one of these tools, um, it, it's really based on your approach, what's your intent? Our intent's collaboration. So yeah, you know, you're gonna you're gonna get dead silence out of us occasionally when we're speaking, just to help make sure that our words land. And when we're listening. But we'll probably, you know, try to amplify, encourage, uh, lubricate your thoughts based on, you know, our tone of voice, our interaction. And another thing that that I've seen that Davy does all the time, she's really great at 
turning her head and raising her eyebrows as if she's fascinated by what you're saying. And people find that so encouraging. I mean, she gets them spilling stuff to her just by being fascinated. And they can't stop talking. So what's the silence combined with, I guess, is what I'm alluding to. Is your body language encouraging? Are your, your words and your verbal encouragers encouraging? Or is the immediate tone of voice dismissive? Or is the body language dismissive? So putting those two in combination, I think is really what makes silence either for or against. And in terms of pacing, would you say that actually one of the first rules that people tend to learn or one of the things that you maybe coach people on in the beginning is just slow it down a bit? Is it yeah, is that kind so. of early stages? Yeah, I think so. Slow it down and then develop your feel for the effect. You know, any one of these skills is put your whole brain into the moment. Like everybody worries about where this is going, which takes some of your brain offline because your brain is now in the future and the past. But if you forget about where it's going and think about what's going on in the moment, then you can pay much closer attention and the process will take care of itself. And that's really contrary to how we're wired. Um, a guy's podcast I listen to all the time, Andrew Huberman, a neuroscientist out of uh, Stanford. Like, I'm a huge fan of Andrew Huberman. And I'm listening on one of his podcasts and he says, everybody thinks in terms of duration, path and outcome, which I've abbreviated to DPO. Duration, how long is it going to take? Path, how am I going to get there? Outcome, where am I going? And so these are, if you're worried about outcome, your brain is offline, it's out of the moment. But as soon as you let go of where this is going and get in the moment, then it'll end up in a place that you like. But that's against our wiring and it's against our basic practice. And so you just got to practice it to get it down and practice going silent and pay attention to the other person's reaction. And then, then you'll develop your skill. It'll come to you quickly, come to you quickly. Can we talk about the role of, uh, well, it's the ego, isn't it? I would imagine in the sense of going into any conversation, interaction and wanting to be liked. Do you have to put that at the door? Well, just take a tiny shift. Um, worry about being likable. You can't control whether or not they like you. It's out of your control. It's the old serenity prayer, you know, let go of what you can't control. But you can control whether or not you're likable. And if you just focus on that, then you're good. If you need to be liked, you're allowing the other person to take you hostage. And there are some really astute people out there. Excuse me for just a second. There's some really astute people out there that realize that if you need to be liked, all I got to do is withhold that from you and you're going to fall all over yourself giving in to stuff that you shouldn't give in to. But if you maintain likability regardless, sorry. Okay. Like if you can maintain likability 
which actually you're very good at. You, you've got both a, a, basically a downward inflecting voice combined with a smile. Like if you just smile regularly, it'll come out in your voice. It makes you tremendously likable. That's a, that's a, that makes people want to interact. I mean, there's a reason why uh, smiles are infectious. It's a, it's, a neuro, it's a neurochemical response, which is involuntary. It's not a choice. So then you begin to stack the odds in your favor um, for what you want is best chance of success. My old boss, Gary Nessner, used to always say best chance of success, which by definition means there is nothing guarantees. What you just want is something that gives you your best opportunity, realizing that it ain't always going to work. You just need it to work more than anything else does. That's that's good to know. And also because I alluded earlier to being in these uh, maybe toxic workplaces or low quality workplaces. And I've been right. on the receiving end and I have many friends who have as well who've been on the receiving end of the hair dry treatment where you just get shouted at. And that person certainly doesn't care if you like them. They are not focused on being likable. Is that is that a dynamic that you just, when you hand in your resignation, it doesn't matter what they pay you, you should just get out of Dodge? Or is there any workaround in that kind of situation, do you think? Yeah, well, my view on that is both. Um, first of all, while you're there, it's a learning experience. Then that transforms what's going on in the moment. You know, it, a little bit, you know, what's the difference between adventure and ordeal attitude? Um, uh, I was reading in, a, in another blog I read the other day, if you can re, if you can change in your brain, go from anxiety to excitement and even stuff I don't want to do. If I say to myself out loud, I'm excited about getting this done, then it changes my internal attitude. So what do you, you reframe in the moment and then, and, and get out. Like I'm, I'm a firm believer in is it, if that's the dynamic of the workplace, look, this job is coming to an end one way or another. Anyway, these are uh, in, in the U S you know, half of 40% of the fortune 500 will be gone in 10 years. They will become extinct because of bad internal practices. So if you're, in a, if you're in a toxic environment, this job's going away. And if you wait around, eventually they're going out of business. They're going to be bought by somebody else. So you might as well learn from the experience where you're there, but start planning your exit because you're leaving whether you like it or not. They're either going to, somehow you're going to get kicked to the curb or you walk out the door. Knowing that's coming, walking out the door sooner rather than later, then puts you back in control of the, the circumstances. That's excellent advice. I hope there are some listeners who just heard that and maybe it's helped them with a situation they might be experiencing. Now, I've seen you talk about something else which I think is really interesting because we can all relive past experiences, those horrible conversations that went terribly, terribly wrong. And even right. perhaps those conversations that you relive and you think, oh, why did I say that? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that today. But you've talked about there actually being value in reliving them and setting them right even if it's just in your right. head, how right. does that work? Yeah, it's, it's, um, 
it's human nature to relive them and to then i wish i'd have said this which usually would have been a cutting remark and then you're doing a rehearsal to do it wrong but do it wrong in another way so but you if you can relive it in your head making that cutting remark that just one up them that means you can go back and reimagine that conversation and the other way to reimagine it is to go back and reimagine it with the mirror with upward inflection or reimagining it using a negotiation skill and then that becomes a rehearsal for performance to get it right it's what the great athletes do great athletes imagine the athletic performance in advance and they imagine them doing it properly they imagine the clock ticking down in the final seconds and they imagine them executing whatever their 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 skill is to either score or block the goal or when they did it in real life and it didn't go well they go back and reimagine it properly it's i've heard it described as visioning and I've heard it said that all great athletes do it. The as sport is just a human performance skill. Negotiation is a human performance skill. You can go back and reimagine the scenario and imagine yourself with a, a smile in your voice instead of anger. Or imagine yourself stating something with empathy. Or in advance, imagine yourself making your statement with empathy. And then the more that you imagine it, the more likely it is that in the moment you'll do it. Next time it happens, you will have had all of those hours clocked up and it'll just surprise you, like you were saying with um, the example that you mentioned earlier. Now, another time that I uh, exclaimed your name <laughs> was when I, when I tried in, in good in, in a good way, <laughs> not a, a bad really way. Good way. In a um... Darn it. <laughs> no, it was to the point where I was telling people about this for weeks. This is bargaining. Uh. And I was, uh, and again, listeners, I'll put the link to that masterclass in the show notes and the book. But uh, I followed your protocol to the letter, although not nice. with non-monetary, non-monetary non objects. I was trying to pay somebody to do some work for me. They came in with a crazy price. So I thought, okay, let's see if this works. And I'm going to be honest, Chris, I went in thinking, I'm going to show that it doesn't. There's no way this is going to work. They charged, they were saying something huge. I went in and I did my 65%. I was like, ah, oh, God, I feel really embarrassed. I can't afford it. But, and guess what? They came in below what I had intended way below um and it worked it just completely worked and in the end this this bit you might like I decided not to go with it because I thought if you could give me that much of a reduction it's not worth it <laughs> but you're using your superpowers anyway it, I put it into practice and it absolutely worked so would you mind I mean obviously we don't have to go through the entire practice but essentially it's it's giving you when you're negotiating, it's giving you the power and it's it's understanding for me, it's the fact that when you go in, you know what you're prepared to spend. 
And then you also right. know what steps you're going to take. So you're not letting, for me, it was about not letting the other person's content or input affect me because I already knew what my next chess move was going to be. There's a lot to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because most of the time when people in negotiations, they think it's accept or reject at this moment. They don't realize that, you know, every negotiation is kind of goes through three phases regardless. And it's a multi-step instead of a one-step process. And somebody says, take it or leave it, or they deliver their um, price as if it would take it or leave it. And you're like, oh my God, I don't know where it's going to go after this. And, you know, you're referring to uh, the Ackerman method that, uh, you know, that's in the book. And it does lay out a step-by-step -step system. You know, you can see it. You've got a process to rely on. And what's really consistent is people end up with much better prices than they ever imagined. Like they settled the deal on step two and they were ready to go to step three. Like, wow, you know, I, I only had to go two thirds of the way there and the deal came together. So I think having a system in place that has just consistently been shown to be extremely effective gives people a lot of peace of mind. Well, also, I got a, I'm not going to lie, I got a real dopamine high from the situation. I was just like, <laughs> I was telling, when I say I was telling people, I was saying, you have to, you have to do this. You have to try this. This is amazing. But the flip side to that is that I was talking to another friend of mine. We both run our own businesses and we're both, we've both always come from the school of, remember I was saying about how my email communication has always been clear. Right. If someone says how much for, this is it. And I'm, like, I'm not going to mess you around with trying to negotiate or this is just, this is it. And of course they then come in and try and mess around and negotiate. And I called my friend and I said, we've been doing it so wrong. You have to let people <laughs> dance with you. Good, good. So is it about the dance? Is it, I mean, I mean, it might seem like game playing, but actually is there something to be said about, you know, um, you say, what is it about? the last impression seeds the next interaction. So if you're having a dance with somebody, you know what you're going to charge, but if you kind of have that nice interaction, you're, you're actually creating rapport building by letting you, by having a chat about price, which might normally seem like a contentious subject. Right. Or, or a waste of time. It's either contentious or a waste of time. You know, people, a lot of people, about a third of us are really, really, well, two thirds of us are really, really, concerned about wasting time for different reasons but the same kind of outcome and then you also in under the old rules if you will you know the process was often damaging you know it's demanding name calling point counterpoint explaining which is uh, you know uh, american president ronald reagan said if you're explaining you're losing and i completely believe that that's true and so the interim dance was negative. So why should I go through this negativity? But if instead you're taking an emotional intelligence approach, you know, Black Swan Method is about creating a stronger relationship, which leads to more concise communications on down the line, or needs to needing to pay attention to the dance less and less the further you go. It's like having an old friend that you haven't spoken to in years and you're talking like you saw each other yesterday. So, you know, that's where you're going with a little bit more of the dance up front where people feel invested in, with you. 
they feel heard. They, they, you know, they get the, the hits of oxytocin. They, they feel like they could trust you because they can. And then this investment up front really begins to accelerate over the long term. And ideally, every interaction should be long term because you just can't, you can't wipe your counterparts out every time. Pretty soon you got no more counterparts. Exactly. Now, I know that we're drawing to the end of our time together, but I do want to ask you, if you don't mind, if you could tell us about this next masterclass that's coming, because it's the perfect 12 negotiation tactics. So it's uh, moving on what you did with your first masterclass. Right, right. And, and I and I also like to, to tell people about my company's newsletter when we get a chance. So if they if they want to learn more. Yeah. But the masterclass is really cool. I mean, we're really excited about what we're doing with those guys. They're putting a lot of effort into it. Um, you know, the first one uh, did really well. And one of the things that I think is coolest about it is it did really well with the women. And like masterclass was delighted because they had no, they did not imagine that the product would score so high with women. And most of our other products out there because of the, you know, the sort of the reputation or the aura of negotiation of being a combative thing. And, you know, whether you like it or not, you know, the poster child, if you will, for negotiation, Donald Trump has put himself up as the greatest negotiator. So many people say, I don't want to be him. I don't want to be that. So I'm not going to study negotiation, but Something about the masterclass, being able to study it at home by yourself and interact with the video, it's going through the roof with women, which I think is awesome. I love it. And so they came back to us and they said, well, you know, this did so well. Let's design a more robust learning platform that will actually end up creating a community. And there will be exercises and it'll build sort of an internal community with like-minded people. And how will we do that? And I said, I love that. And I want to bring my whole team in. So, you know, we've got uh, the, the, the main thinkers on our team that are interacting with the role plays and are showing you that you don't got to be Chris Voss to pull this stuff off. You know, it's, it's you've got the ability to learn this. And that's one of the, that's what we love about where it's going. And we were reviewing the video the other day, you know, I, I get to do a lot more commentary on what's going on. And then the other members of the team begin to demonstrate the high level of their skills and, and they came from different places entirely. So it's a fun thing. We're really looking forward to it coming out. Well, it's interesting, isn't it, that um, it did so well with women, because my brother bought me my masterclass subscription for my birthday this time last year, and it was the first one that I watched. I was scrolling through, and I just instantly was like, that's the one that I've got to watch. There you go. And that's it's great. Cool. And a year later, we're chatting. Um, thank you so much for your time. Um, I've been wanting to speak to you ever since I watched the masterclass, and this has been my so pleasure. brilliant. <laughs> Um, if you ever do, um, you know, in-person seminars, like I would come to a, a three-month college immersive experience, Black Swan experience, because I do think it's like it's learning Jedi mastery uh, and it will just help you help anyone navigate life better. So if that's ever on the table, let me know. 
<laughs> well, as, as, as the world is opening up, I mean, just before the pandemic started, we were going to start jumping across the Atlantic and doing stuff in, in Western Europe. So how, how we could let you know, or anybody else that was interested, if I may talk about the newsletter. It's a great newsletter. Uh, and it's free. I mean, and so the issue really of value is not whether or not it's free, because you can get a lot of free stuff that doesn't do you any good. Uh, the newsletter is concise. It's concise, actionable, one article, uh, actionable, brief, concise advice. Comes on Tuesday morning. It's sent to your email wherever you are in the world. So you get it basically the same time of day on Tuesday. Our website is blackswanltd.com. B-L-A-C-K-S-W-A-N-L-T-D.com. Upper right-hand side of the homepage, you see a tab for blog. You go on there, you can see some back issues. You can also sign up. There's a ton of other free stuff on the website also. So between the different either low cost or free stuff that we have, the book is the best $24 you'll ever spend. The masterclass, I'm still blown away at what a bargain that is. And it's 30% and the, off at the moment. Oh, there you go. Even 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 more reason to buy around the holidays. So get the free stuff or get the low cost stuff and start raising your skill levels. And then we'll help you with the big time stuff. Well, I will say I, I subscribe to that newsletter and it's one of those, I'm sure a lot of people subscribe to a lot of newsletters. I do. I don't open many of them. I always open the Black Swan ones because the headline, the subject is always like, yep, yeah, I'm definitely going to need that today. So thank you. Good I will day. put the link to uh, subscribe to the newsletter. I will put the link to Chris's Instagram and to everything else that we have discussed, the masterclass, the book in the show notes. But Chris Boss, thank you for coming on the Emma Gunn Show. Emma, uh, absolute pleasure. You've been delightful. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I do hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate your time hugely. If you did enjoy it and you never want to miss an episode, then please do hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. It's also where you get the opportunity to leave a five-star review and a rating for how you feel about the show. And I'd be so grateful if you wouldn't mind leaving one. If you want to get in touch with me, email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Or you can DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I am at Emma Guns. If you fancy chatting to me and thousands of other fellow listeners of the podcast, then click the link to join the Facebook forum. The link to join is in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. You have to answer a couple of questions, but we cannot wait to see you there. Come over and join the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you on the next one. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.